Okay. Well, um, I really consider this a great privilege to uh, be worshiping with you today and uh, sharing God's Word. Um, I also would like to extend uh, greetings to you on behalf of the Gathering Church where I am currently serving as the senior pastor. Uh, I understand that you are continuing your sermon series on praying with the Apostle Paul for the renewal of the church. Uh, Pastor Roger Helland, our district minister, uh, about three weeks ago, asked me to, uh, to preach here if, I, if I'm available, and I said yes. And he tasked me to uh, reflect on 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. Now, I'll be re- reading that, that passage before us, but I will also would like to include the first 10 verses, just to give us the context, right? Because it is very important for us, you know, to understand the background, the context of where, uh, where Paul is heading to. So this is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'll start reading from verses 1 to uh, 12. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Dear brothers and sisters, We can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. And God will use this persecution to show His justice and to make you worthy of His kingdom for which you are suffering. In His justice, He will pay back those who persecute you. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus Christ appears from heaven. He will come with His mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. When He comes on that day, He will receive glory from His holy people, praise from all who believe. And this includes you, for you who believe what we told you about Him. And this is His prayer from verse 11 to 12. And so we keep praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of His call. May He give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with Him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Blessed be the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, may you be lifted up up in our lives today as we listen to your words. May we see you as you are. May we see our lives through your word. May your word as it is proclaimed by your unworthy vessel 
not return to you empty, but will accomplish your will and purpose and desire and achieve it for which you sent it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as I've mentioned earlier, um, I'm currently serving as the senior pastor of the Gathering Church down there on the southwest side of Edmonton. I'm still trying to <laughs> familiarize myself with uh, you know, the geography here in the city. It was a wonderful city. But I still consider myself here in Edmonton as the new kid in the block. <laughs> I'm only into my seven months uh, serving as the, center, uh, the uh, senior pastor for the Gathering Church. Now, prior to this role, I have served in a Chinese congregation for 11 years back in Toronto, in Scarborough specifically. And prior to that, I also served for uh, four years uh, in another immigrant church, the Korean church in, in Chicago, and two years also another Korean church in Manila in the Philippines. And even prior to that, I served as uh, staff with uh, this organization called Philippine Camps Crusade for Christ. It's called Power to Change Share in, in Canada. And I've served there for 16 years. And that's where I met my wife, uh, Sandra. And we've been uh, married by God's grace for 24, uh, 25 years now. And this is my family. No, not that one. Okay. That's our family. That's our brother, the Apostle Paul, of course. And uh, yeah, it would be nice to trace back like in our roots, right? And that's the Apostle Paul. I, I just got it from Google. And, okay, so that was a prayer. And this is my family. Okay, so uh, we have two boys. We're blessed with two boys. Uh, the one on my, my right is Tim. That's the second one. He's uh, 19 years old. Uh, he's currently uh, in his, well, he's finishing his freshman year in a Bible school in Chicago at Moody Bible Institute. And our, uh, our eldest one, EJ, or Ezra John, uh, on Sandra's left, uh, he is finishing. He has already graduated, thankfully. <laughs> he finished his program in neuroscience in University of Toronto, and in Scarborough. And, uh, well, God willing, uh, he will be embarking on his stint with Power to Change as an intern for one year, and he will be serving in, in East Asia. And if you can, uh, if you have time, please pray for him. Uh, as he is in this process of transitioning into that role. Um, it's, it's really a great privilege to have that opportunity to, to serve the Lord for many years. Now, it's not, it's not all about me, of course, but it's all about God's grace, isn't it? Not that even though I've served the Lord for many years, I'm not saying that I have arrived. I'm still learning, and I still am learning. And I, I would love to continue doing that until I see him uh, face to face. Um, we are kind of experiencing a lot of changes right now. We are what we call empty nesters <laughs> now, so sudden. And uh, one of the realities we face in life is that we grow old, right? I'm a little bit different. That was taken a couple of years ago, so I have more gray hair. Um, we, we grow old and we, we see a lot of significant changes in, in our bodies particularly, gray hair and all that. Uh, but a few weeks ago, I had this sudden urge, you know, to make myself look young again. <laughs> yeah, to look young. Yeah. 
All right, do, do you resonate with that? You know, I had that desire to restore that physical vitality I once had when I was young. I, I loved to run. I was the fastest runner in our neighborhood when I was a kid. Now it's hard to walk. Uh, but there is this growing desire for me to regain that sense of vitality, that newness, that freshness, you know, that young feeling and strength, physically particularly, and even the way I look. A month ago, my wife and I uh, did a quick errand to the Costco. Uh, she would love to take that, grab that opportunity, thank you, Dave, to, to take a look and, and try that out. And that skin lotion is designed to restore or renew the skin, to have that ageless radiance again, right? <laughs> now, who could resist that? Now, she tried a sample on her palm, and, and he, tried it, he tried it on my hands, too. And now, one... Uh, one of the, the guys who was also checking uh, that, that, uh, that product told my wife, hey, you don't, actually, you don't need that product. You know, you have a fair skin and all that. And to whom my, my wife replied, no, actually, it's not for me, it's for my husband. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I commended for her for that, for her care and concern for me. She was concerned about the wrinkles of my forehead, you know, the dryness of my feet and hands. And she wanted me to be renewed again. And, of course, I wanted that too. And I thank God for that. We crave for uh, renewal in our bodies, right? Uh, to be restored to vitality again. Now, in more ways than one, we also long for freshness and vitality as a church, isn't it? We struggle with going beyond compliance. You know, I've been pastoring for a number of years, and I've seen people, young people at like that, they come to church, but they feel like they're just being forced, <laughs> you know, trying to be compliant. But we would like to go beyond that, right? Where people would just come to church with, with that sense of excitement and joy. We struggle with that. We say that church is important, but sometimes we struggle if God is actually real. There is this nagging feeling that God seems to be not answering our prayers. Church seems to be lifeless. The church is losing its edge. Uh, 
in, in keeping the next generation. 60%, the uh, statistics say, 60% of evangelical youth in North America are leaving church. We are also losing adults. Church is unholy, not knowing how to deal, to deal with sin. You know, the word sin is becoming a rarity nowadays. We hardly say that word anymore. But reality is, we all have sinned, and we all are sinners. Perhaps we have lost that luster or winsomeness in our faith that also affected our being salt, our calling to be salt and light to the world. Perhaps we have lost our true identity and have slowly slipped down like the world. Now, we are not, I'm telling, we are not supposed to live perfect lives, but at least, at least we live above the world. The issue here is not trying to achieve perfection, but our direction. Do we want our lives to please God? Do we have that kind of holy discontent? Do we have that passion to reflect the character of Christ and to resolve and, and having that resolve to leave behind the ways of the world. In other words, we need renewal. We need renewal. Now, during the time of the Apostle Paul, the early church was also experiencing different challenges, both from within and without, that calls for the need for renewal in their hearts. The churches back then were dealing with issues about persecution. Thank God we don't have it yet, <laughs> right? They were dealing with persecution from the outside and conflicts from within. The Apostle Paul had a great heart and burden for the church. Okay. Now, we know for certain that Paul uh, wrote at least 13 letters that are included in the New Testament. The second letter to the Thessalonians is, is one of them. Now, these pastoral letters are written to encourage, to equip, to exhort, to give comfort, and even to correct uh, the people of God, to change their ways, their attitudes, and practices. He wanted them to be back to the rails when there is this temptation to fall on the wayside. In each letter, the Apostle Paul expresses specific prayers for, the, for, for these churches. Now, for the Thessalonian Christians, they were dealing with intense uh, persecution, as alluded to in our scripture reading. In verse 4, Paul was commending the church for their endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships they are suffering. He further encourages them to be steadfast in their faith because, because the best is yet to come. And God and he says in verse 5, And God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus Christ appears from heaven. When the time comes, when he comes on that day, he will he will receive glory from His holy people, praise from all who believe, and this includes you, for you have believed what we told you about Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in light of that glorious future reality, that glorious hope that awaits the believers, 
This is how Paul expressed his prayers for them. And hopefully this will also be a pattern for our prayers as well for one another, for the church. He said in verse 11, So we keep on praying for you. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of His call. May He give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with Him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you agree that we, you know, we adopt this as a pattern for our prayers for the church, for one another? I would love to have this to be the pattern of my prayer as well for the church that I'm currently serving. And there are three things that I would like to highlight as the focus of Paul's prayer for the Thessalonian Christians, which I hope should also be the focus of our prayers for one another and for the church. Paul prays that God will enable his people to be fit for the call that he has called us and to be filled with his power and to experience the fruit of our enduring faith in his return. Now, the first one, to be fit for the call that he has called us as Christians. Paul said in verse 11, So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be fit for the call that God has called us? What does it mean by living a life worthy of his call? It is simply this, to see ourselves for who we really are. Simple, to live our lives in light of our identity. Paul's prayer is simply going back to the basics here, to live according to our identity as children of God. As a church. Now the world tells us it's all about how you look, right? The way you look. What you have in your bank account. What you do. Perhaps about your profession. And whom you are connected to. But scripture teaches that while those things can be important, they do not constitute who you are. They do not define us. As, the follower, as followers of Jesus Christ, our identity is found in Him and Him alone. That is very important for us to be reminded of. God is the source of our identity. We find our meaning and significance in Him alone. He should always be the number one in our lives. And He has given us the stewardship priorities of our spouse, uh, with, uh, with our spouse, with our children, with our work, in that order. Now, let us avoid mixing up these things. Because if we seek to get our identity and significance from our spouse, from our kids, from our work, then our lives will be a mess. You know, in order to love ourselves correctly, to, is to see ourselves as God sees us and to allow the Word of God, not the world, to define who and whose we really are. The clearer we capture the vision of our new identity in Jesus Christ, the more we realize our deepest needs for security, 
significance, and satisfactions are met in Him alone and not in people, not in possessions, and not even in our positions in life. A biblical view of our identity and resources in Christ Jesus moves us in this direction of loving ourselves correctly and others compassionately. Grasping our true and unlimited resources in Christ frees us from the bondage to the opinion of others and gives us the liberty to love and serve others regardless of their response. We now live in a Facebook age, isn't it, do we? And a lot of times, sometimes I, I am tempted, whenever I see my friends on their, on their timeline, like, you know, they, they announce their, their achievements, their children and everything, that, you know, sometimes I feel envy, you know, envious. You know, and that's a temptation that we face. We try to compare, compare ourselves uh, with others. But our calling is not to put our significance in what other people see about us. We simply look up to Jesus Christ, that He is the single component. Instead, uh, He is the, cent- the center of our lives. If not, things will be complicated in our lives. If the focus of our hearts is the eternal, we will love Jesus Christ above His created goods and pleasures and begin to fulfill the enduring purpose for which we were created. And so this prayer, to be fit for the call, boils down to this question. Who are you? Ask yourself this question. Who am I, really? Unless we are settled in our identity in Jesus Christ, we will succumb to give in to the temptations and challenges that could easily lead us to guilt, It it will lead us to quit. It will lead us to unnecessarily compare ourselves to others and be discouraged to fall by the wayside, to throw in the towel, to doubt, and even to give in to false teachings. I heard of this story uh, of a Native American uh, who found an eagle's egg and put it in the nest of a prairie chicken. I got this from the book called uh, a Pursuit of Excellence by Ted Engstrom. And so this Native American found this eagle's egg and put it into the nest of a prairie chicken. You know, so the eagle hatched with a brood of chicks and grew up with them. All his life, the young, eagles, the young eagle was thinking he was like a prairie chicken and did what the prairie chickens did. He scratched in the dirt for seeds and insects to eat. He clucked and cackled. He flew in a brief crashing of wings and flurry of feathers, no more than a few feet of the ground. After all, that's how prairie chickens uh, were supposed to fly. And then years passed, and the young eagle grew very old. One day, he saw a magnificent bird far above him in the cloudless sky, hanging with graceful majesty on the powerful wind currents. It soars, it soared with scarcely a beat of its strong golden wings. What a beautiful bird, said the eagle to his neighbor. What is that? You know, he asked. Oh, that's an eagle, said one of the chickens. 
That's the chief of the birds. Ah, but don't give it a second thought. You could never be like him. And so the eagle never gave it another thought. And it died thinking it was a prairie chicken. Now what a sad, sad story, isn't it? But we can certainly learn from that story. We are not eagles or chickens. But many times we fall into this trap like that of an eagle living among the prairie chicken. We aren't our clothes. We aren't our relationships or our accomplishments. In Christ, we are much more. We are His beloved children. He loved us unconditionally. We don't need to be good enough to be accepted and loved by Him. He loved us first. That's the good news. We live our lives from that truth. We need to learn who we are in Christ and confess the same out loud. I am what God says I am, regardless of how I feel about myself. My feelings cannot change the absolute truth about God's Word. We need to see ourselves in light of the Word of God. I have heard that your identity determines your destiny. I would say that living out your identity determines your destiny. It is what you do with your identity that determines your destiny. And that is why the Apostle Paul leads us to the second half of that prayer. The second focus of prayer is like this. That our lives, uh, that His children will be filled with His power to live with God's ability so we can live out our identity, right? Someone said, Christian life is not difficult. In fact, it is impossible. You know, we need the indwelling power of Christ within us to live the life that God has called us to live. For apart from Him, as John 15 says, we can do nothing. You know? In the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah, here is a great word of comfort and promise for His children, particularly those who wait upon Him. And this is what Isaiah said. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The, everla the Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the heavens, the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Wow, what a glorious promise, isn't it? As a follower of Jesus, I have in many instances sensed the reality of His promise. I have found God to use His power in on behalf of those who seek Him. A right understanding of who God is will revolutionize the life of every believer. It will launch him or her into exciting adventure of supernatural living in the power of the mighty God. You know, we now live in a world that may seem to be very chaotic and out of control. But God knows what is in the future. 
Do we believe that? When we read God's Word from Genesis to Revelation, we get a glimpse into how He directs history and nations. God is in control. He is sovereign. And so the psalmist says, by His great power, He rules forever. Now for the Apostle Paul, he knew what the Thessalonian Christians need. They need a renewal in their experience of God's power in their lives. Did you notice that what Paul said, prayed, is not the removal of persecution? He did not pray for that. Instead, that in the midst of their persecution, they will experience and display His power. This is the same power that is shown through His Son, Jesus Christ. Paul writes in his other letter that the power that is available to us as believers is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly places. That does not excite you? Does that, does that excite you? Because of that power available to us, we can also confidently say what Paul said. In Philippians 4.13, in fact, this is one of my favorite verses, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God wants us to reflect His power in our lives. Paul, the apostle, prayed for the Thessalonian Christians to be vessels for God's power. Have you heard of the Solar One company? Now, this is the world's largest solar-powered electricity generation, generating station. In the midst of a huge barren desert between Los Angeles and Las Vegas, stands a 300 feet, uh, 300 foot tower. On top of this tower rests a black receiver that is 45 feet high and 23 feet wide. People who drive across the desert during daylight hours see what looks like a brilliant ball of fire glowing from the top of the tower. Now, how does that happen? A, rece a receiver turning into a glowing ball with a temperature exceeding 1,175 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow, imagine that. The secret is on the ground. On the desert floor surrounding the tower are 1,813 computer-controlled frames. You see those? Each holding 12 giant mirrors that track the sun daily from sunrise to sunset. Now when the sunlight strikes the mirrors, it is reflected onto the receiver at the top of the tower. The heat generated at the receiver is then transformed into electrical energy. When the network of mirrors is working in harmony, tremendous power is generated from the sun. Note, however, that this tower itself does not have the ability to generate power. This process is possible only because the light from the sun, the real source of power, is reflected onto this helpless receiver. You know, that's what God called His children to be, to reflect His power on the earth. As we begin to understand God's vast and magnificent power, our lives cannot help but be transformed and renewed. Everything about us will change. Our attitudes, our actions, our motives, our desires, and even our lifestyle. 
Our society, which was once darkened by fear, ignorance, and hopelessness, will become lightened with our witness of God's power and grace and care and intervention in our lives. We are like mirrors that reflect the power of God. God's, God's power is available to us to conquer evil forces in this world. For the Word of God says, Greater is He who is in us than he who is in the world. God gives us the power to live a holy life, to reflect the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. God gives us the power in our weakness even. We can say with Paul, when I am weak, there I am strong. Amazing, isn't it? God gives us power to proclaim the gospel through our lives and through our lips. He gives us the courage to love our enemies, to give witness of His grace, forgiveness, and love in our lives. Now, the whole point of this prayer is this. Because God is all-powerful, He can help us with anything. Are you currently facing a situation that is beyond your control? Do you feel incapable of doing something that God wants you to do? You know, every time I speak in front of people, my, 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 my knees shake. That's one of my weaknesses. Do you feel incapable of doing something that God wants you to accomplish? The good news is that you can commit your circumstances to the Lord in prayer and by faith depend on Him to give you strength and to work changes through His mighty power. I have experienced that. I cannot do it on my own. I need, I desperately needed God's enabling power to accomplish what God has called me to do. I can't. I won't. We need it. We need His power. And thirdly, the Apostle Paul prays that we will experience the fruit of our faith. When Jesus Christ returns, which He will, His glory is going to be seen in His saints. His children, all the world will see the wonder and glory of the height of His love, the depth of His mercy, the length of His grace, and the breadth of His power through those people who profess, who confess their faith in Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has loved and saved us, and the height, depth, length, and breadth of His salvation is beyond imagination. His salvation far exceeds anything that we could, we could ever know or describe. And so when the glory of what Jesus Christ has done for us is manifested, it will explode into such a, an spectacular demonstration of glory, into a spectacle that will exceed the explosion of all the brilliant lights of the heavenly bodies. I could only imagine. But the word, that's what the Word of God says. The greatness of his, the glory and love of Jesus Christ will be seen in that day when Jesus Christ comes and He will gather His people around Him. It will be seen in His dear saints and in all of them who believe, who follow Him to the end. Now, for the meantime, we need to experience renewal in our church. It's a process. We simply need to go back to the basics. There's no way we can endure the trials and persecutions against us 
without experiencing renewal in our hearts. We need to be renewed in terms of our calling, reminding us that we are different from this world. We are identified with Jesus Christ. And that's where we find our significance, our security and sustenance. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. We are not defined by what we have, by what we wear, by our family name, by our physical makeup, not even by our trials or by our own gifts and talents, and even our own failures. We are not defined by what other people's label of us. We are only identified by Christ. We also need to be renewed with God's power, for apart from Him, we can do nothing. There is no greater joy than to experience and display God's power no matter what circumstances befall us. God wants us to display all this because ultimately, He wants to glorify Himself. That is His goal. And when people, and when He is glorified, we too will reflect His glory. Now, how are these things possible? It's all because of God's grace. Nothing less. We are helpless vessels, but when we appropriate His grace, we stand out. We get renewed and we make a difference in a world around us. For faithful is He who has called us and He will bring it to pass. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your great, great love for us. Thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, to die on the cross on our behalf. And thank You, Lord, for the new life we have in Christ. Lord, we pray that our lives may be a living testimony of Your sacrificial love to one another in this church and in this world. Lord, we pray that you will revive us again, renew us once again from the inside out. And thank you, Lord, for your promise that if we ask anything in your name and in accordance to your purpose and will, you will do it. Lord, we do thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.